here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black. Adam Abdallah has the night off. If you want to join me, you can call me at 312-332-3776. We're heading towards week 18 in the NFL. We're going to talk a lot of Bears football tonight. We're also going to preview the games this weekend, week 18 in the NFL. We'll talk to the Fat Jack tonight. Chauncey will join us with his football picks. So we have a lot to do this evening here on the show. Black and Abdallah, weeknight, 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000. I want to start Bears, though, because yesterday we found out from the Bears that Justin Fields will not play this weekend against the Minnesota Vikings. So year two for Justin Fields is in the books. We can kind of look at what we saw this year and kind of assess whether or not Justin Fields has improved enough for those who doubted what he can do. Uh, Maybe some of those suggesting that the Bears should continue to look for their future quarterback Uh, maybe in the draft or however they can kind of figure it out as the Bears will have a top five pick uh, when we get to that point uh, in May for the NFL draft. I I think the the thing when we look with Justin Fields all along is he is a talented player. He just needs something around him because I think at times this year, he's so talented that even though he has that talent, we saw it with the legs. We've seen it with some of the passing numbers to this point. What he has around him is not good enough. Therefore, he can't do it all by himself. We're not talking Mahomes or Marino. We're talking about a guy who hopefully at some point in the apex of his career could be qualified as an elite quarterback. I think he's far from that at this moment. But I do think there has been progress in this season for Justin Fields. I think there is absolutely some building blocks that we have seen from the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Earlier today on the Bear Down podcast, I posted it up on the ESPN Chicago app. Check it out after the show tonight. I talk Bears, and one of the things I mentioned is usually on Thursdays, we're looking ahead at the weekend's action. And this Bears-Vikings game doesn't really matter. Because if you're a Bears fan, you're looking at this team building towards next season, building towards the future. Really, the only reason to watch the Bears was to watch the quarterback and watch the offense develop. And obviously, we're not going to get that on Sunday against the Vikings. I do think, and what I pointed out on the podcast, is I do think we saw something interesting that took place halfway through the season this year. If you go back to week five, October the 9th against Minnesota, I thought in that Minnesota game, Justin Fields was the best player in that game. Now, obviously, the epic turnover at the end that led to the Bears losing that contest doesn't sit well with anyone but I thought Justin Fields is really good and also in that game was the first time we saw the explosive playmaking action from his legs and it was called back with a penalty on the offensive side but he he broke one that would have added to his great season that they ended up having in the first place but that Minnesota game is the first time we saw it now you go back you go then four days into the future the Bears host the commanders at home, short week, a Thursday, October the 13th. And the, the offense did not look good early. With that said, I thought Fields was okay in the second half. And the point I've made the entire season is that if the Bears had a number one wide receiver that could hold his own on the goal line, 
that's a catch and a touchdown. The Bears beat the Commanders. I get it. It's a play that didn't go in their favor because Mooney went to catch and then there was a bobble and then he got knocked off the goal line. It didn't work out. I think ideally in that situation, number one wide receiver gets the job done. But what followed that was a, a mini buy that we've all discussed here in the city. It's a legendary status at this point. The Bears didn't have a bye week, but they had the extra days because they played on Thursday, and then they played the following week on a Monday. The, quote, mini buy. It will go down in the legacy, uh, in the history of Bears football. The epic mini buy game where they go to New England on the road, and Justin Fields looked good. The offense looked good. Things were working. So the Bears surprised the, pa- the Patriots 33-14 to on October the 24th, and that was such a thrilling surprise. I think for so many of us, they follow it up in week eight against the Cowboys and the Bears lose by 20. But Justin Fields was good and he moved the football and he looked like he could hold his own against one of the better defenses in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. That then it it, it spun into two consecutive weeks against teams that the Bears probably should have beaten Miami and Detroit weeks nine and ten. Where if you look at that six-game span, that five- to six-game span, Minnesota, Washington, those games didn't look right. The outcomes didn't look right. But Fields was starting to grasp something. And then the mini-buy game followed up with Dallas and Miami and Detroit. Those weeks right there, that's where I think Justin Fields turned the corner. I know from that point on, there were more pieces pulled apart of this team. There were players that were injured. Things didn't always go his way. Did he always play well? No, he didn't. There was a terrible pick six thrown in, a, I believe, the Lions game. He said that that would never happen again. It can't happen again. That was a terrible throw. We saw a terrible throw uh, on this most recent Lions game at the end of the first half. Aiden Hutchinson was just hiding on the sidelines. He floated it up for Pringle, and it was an interception. It was a bad play. I'll knock Justin Fields, rightfully so, when he deserves it. But I think what we saw in the middle portion of this season, week 7, 8, 9, 10, I think we started to see a quarterback that was starting to get it and starting to prove to all of us he is worthy of building around. And I think that's the most important thing to take from this season. He found a point where the team was not successful. Things were not helping him. He was up against it. And he was also banged up in some of those situations. He played well. He got through it. And clearly, he's the leader of this team. Blocking Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. So my question to you is, how do you view Justin Fields' second season with the Chicago Bears? Year one, I think for the most part with Matt Nagy, was a bit of a wash. Here in year two, I do see significant growth. Think back to September 18th. The Bears on the road, Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. The Bears' offense was pathetic. They weren't even trying to throw. They were just trying to survive, trying to get through a game. And the the offense, at times, at the end, sure, against Philly, Buffalo, and Detroit, it it seemed like there, there has been an element of things turning away from trying to win and turning more towards survival. Uh, But I do think there was a middle portion of the season, especially after that Washington game, where where the offense actually started to click. They started to score 30 points a game. They started to score touchdowns. 
Justin Fields was passing uh, vertically, and, and I saw some improvement, and I, I think that's what we need to hold on to as we head into the offseason here on ESPN 1000. Ryan and Munster, you're on ESPN 1000 Talking Bears. What's up, Ryan? Hey, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the possible move of the Bears trading with the Saints, uh, trade down, get Chris Olave, swap picks, and the Saints take that one or two spot for a QB. Well, why would the Saints trade a, a wide receiver that was just drafted? Because they have no quarterback. Okay. If you put it in this perspective, he was drafted at uh, seventh position, I think, Chris Olave. Right. Would the Saints, if they had the, if they had the seventh pick, and then I think they have some, their pick is in the 14th, 15 range of this year. I'm not quite sure. Uh, their pick, their first round pick goes. Their first round pick goes to Philly, so I don't believe that they have a first round pick. Okay. Well, would you? I mean, I. So I could see them making that move to get one of these quarterbacks who are supposed to be, you know, well, we hear that all the time. That the quarterback is going to be a franchise quarterback, but. You know, I, I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I I get that you see a player that you would like to to add to the to the group. The problem is the Saints don't have a first round pick, and I get the Saints want a quarterback. There have been rumors out there that possibly that could be a spot for Tom Brady next year, which sounds crazy. Um, yeah, you, they they have to fix their quarterback position, no doubt. I don't think they're trading Chris Olave, uh, and I don't think the Bears would trade the number two overall pick for Chris Olave. That's not that's not going to get it done. Eddie on the north side. What's up, Eddie? Oh my God, Black! Uh, oh no, so Eddie! To, oh no, what's so wrong? Much to go through, okay? Yeah. Um, if you if you look at stats and what Justin Fields done for the first two years, and you think he's a franchise quarterback, then the only person it's got to be corporate that is running through stuff to say stuff about this guy to keep him online to say that he's what he is because there is no way you could say that he's a franchise quarterback okay you you have to agree with me that way i don't i don't agree with you you don't okay no. wait well, what what has justin Fields shown you that he can't develop into something more I'm going to tell you that tell no me. Ohio State quarterback has ever become a elite quarterback <laughs> Eddie, because come on. of the program. That okay, they run so what through. program? What's your program? You give okay, me the wait, program. I'm, you give me quarterback. You. What, what would you like, Miami? How did Kent Dorsey do in in the the NFL? Kent Dorsey. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, Wyoming. <laughs> Why, Wyoming. Wyoming's quarterback, okay. you? Are you serious, Eddie? No, wait. Who did come out of Wyoming? Come on. Who give it to me. Out, who came out of Wyoming? Buffalo. <laughs> who came out of Duke? <laughs> Jones on the Giants, right? Hey, he went Hold on, three hold on, Eddie. Something. Eddie, I'll give you Josh Allen. I'll give you that. I would not call Wyoming a quarterback you. And then you cannot Jones? you cannot give me Daniel Jones? Jones. Come on. Hey, they're they're going they're going to the playoffs. 
They were three and whatever. Yeah, well, and if you listen talked. to the show the last couple of days, Tyler Aki was with me, and we talked about how if Brian Dable was the head coach of the Chicago Bears, chances are things would be a little bit different. I don't think it's because it, of Daniel Jones. Justin Hubert. <laughs> Who? Where did he get drafted from? Who? The guy on the Chargers. Who did he get drafted from? Justin Hubert? Hubert. Who did he get drafted from? Eddie, who is Hubert? The quarterback of the Chargers. I don't know. I don't know, Eddie. Nothing's coming up there for Hubert. You know what I'm saying, and it, it, it is. I don't know if it's just this blasted thing from media and everything to push Justin Fields into elite quarterback. But it's not going to happen. He's not an elite I, quarterback. I think he has I've the potential in, to get there someday, uh, but he's not. I've called in about Andrew Luck before, and I said the way he plays quarterback, he will never win a Super Bowl in the NFL. And I got blasted on the airways. They're like, wait, what are you talking about? This guy's awesome. He's going to do it, do it, do it, do it. You know what he's doing? He's teaching at a high school or a college right now. Give me one more for quarterback you. What else do you have? You gave me Wyoming. Uh, wait, uh, Duke. Do, do you I get, you're Duke. a said Duke. Give me something. Okay, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Okay, uh, <laughs> Daniel Jones. Uh, at your caliber. Justin Hubert. Yeah, Hubert. <laughs> yeah. Burrow. LSU. LSU. Quarterback U. You know where Joe Burrow was recruited to and spent two years before he went to LSU? Ohio State. Ohio State. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Dahl has the night off. Taking your calls at 312-332-3776. We're talking Bears football. Justin Fields, how do you view his second year in the NFL? Paul in Elmwood Park here on ESPN 1000. What's up, Paul? Hey, so um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, some smart football. Not like like the last caller. He was a little hard to listen to. But um, so I've been studying some uh, stats, and uh, one of the things that I come across on Facebook all the time is people say, well, Justin Fields has the lowest pass attempts in the league, lowest pass attempts in the league. But then I started thinking, well, half of the time he's dropping back and forced to rush. So what I started doing is I started looking up um, different quarterbacks throughout the league, and I'm making a little video on it. I'll post it on uh, Twitter, and I'll tag you on it. But um, I just started putting together numbers of how many dropbacks versus how many pass attempts. Okay. So essentially saying when the quarterback does drop back, how often – does that at least result in an attempted pass, right? Sure. So with guys like, you know, the leader, Tom Brady, 96% of the time, he at least gets a pass attempt off, right? And most of the quarterbacks in the league that are good, um, Patrick Mahomes and um, and Aaron Rodgers and all the other guys, they're hovering around 90% of the time, right? Okay. Some of the rushing quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts and um, 
they're, they're around like 15%. And that's probably because, well, they do have legs and they could use that as an advantage. So they don't always have to pass. So that number does drop a little bit. However, when you look at Justin Fields, it's if 444 dropbacks, like 316 pass attempts. We're talking about 130 plays out of 444. Um, it, winds up, it winds up being like almost 30% where every time where, when he drops back, he's got to do something other than pass. Now, what I think it is, is I think it's a combination of things. I think he doesn't trust his receivers. I think sometimes there is an immediate throw that's missed, and now he's holding on to the ball too long. Um, I think there's pressure up front, and he has to get out of it. Otherwise, it's a sack. And there's also sacks. I wanted to know what you thought about that, though, because it just seems like that's such a glaring number compared to any other quarterback that I could find. It's just like way out of the realm of what any real average is. Yeah, I I think, Paul, it's good research, and I I think it matches what we see with the eyeball test when we watch the games. The offensive line has not been good. And then also, guys aren't getting open, and that creates like a a double negative situation where as a quarterback to say, hey, just drop back and pass. Well, if you have wide receivers who can't get open, so as you're waiting back there to pass – they're stuck to a, a safety or a cornerback. And then your time to stand back there is being limited because of the porous offensive line. I, I don't know what you could ask a quarterback to do other than escape and try and make something out of nothing. You know, like I think you're right on. And I think early on, um, when he was hitting some of these receivers in the hands and they were dropping it, I think there was a lot of trust loss. Uh, guys like St. Brown, 20 catches for like 320 yards. Dante Pettis, uh, 17 for like 250. And mind you, they both had a catch that was, <laughs> that was about 50 yards each. Yeah, that's um, true. Th- those are bad numbers coming from your wide receivers. There's really no depth there, right? And, uh, you know, uh, Smith Marquette in week five giving up that fumble. Well, yeah, you're brutal. starting a guy off somebody's practice squad in week five. I mean, that should glaringly tell you that you definitely, definitely need more depth at that position. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not disappointed with Justin Fields. I'm very high on him. I think he's got a bright future. However, what I'm really concerned about, is this, this the way to groom a quarterback, or is this the way you destroy a quarterback? Because it's kind of it's rough. I hope next year they get more talent around him and, uh, and we see an improvement in, in that area. So thank you so much for taking my call. Appreciate y'all. Keep listening. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for the phone call. I'd say the other thing that that I've always kind of chuckled at throughout the season is St. Brown, his number one attribute is run blocking. He's your wide receiver. And in some of these games, he's been your number one wide receiver. I know it's been because of injuries to others, but like at certain points, like when the best part of your best wide receiver is his blocking in the run game, chances are your pass game is not going to be any good. Nick in Lincoln Park, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Nick? Hey, what's up, Uncle Chris? Congratulations. Thank you, man. Congrats to the Abdallahs. Yeah, it was great to see you at Benny's, too, uh, last month or so. Yeah, it was good to see you as well. How's things? Uh, How's life? Oh, man, everything's good. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. No Um, problem, man. You know, as far as Justin Fields goes, I, I, I saw enough to ride with him for, you know, next year, two years for sure. Until he has a true number one around him, I don't think you can judge him. Um, and I think that the O-line was so bad, he's running for his life. And that was, I think, one of the most impressive parts of his game. I mean, he has such speed 
on the run that he turned, I'd say, two-thirds of busted plays into, you know, significant uh, pass gains. So I think, you know, that's only going to get better and give him some time, get him a true number one, uh, a, a true route runner, and, you know, he's going to get better. And I, I think that outweighs the gamble on going with somebody new who's completely unproven. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's where, Nick, there's, there's an article in the uh, Sun-Times today. Jason Leisure has an article about uh, moving on from Justin Fields, how he disagrees with it. And I disagree with it because I think you have to build around this player. But he, he mentioned that different shows in town have been talking about it. Nick, you listen to Carmen and Yurko. Carmen and Yurko were talking about it the other day. And I don't think that Yurko is being serious. But it is a possibility when you have a number one or a number two pick, you kind of have to have everything on the table and available, right? Uh, but I think the, the key here for the franchise is build around fields. He's shown you enough in this season that you can develop something. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, have you ever seen a quarterback with the escape skills like him? I haven't. I no, mean, no, Lamar, it's Jackson, like, it's like, Lamar Jackson is a close, a close comparable. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he made it to a Super Bowl, didn't he? Uh, Lamar to Super Bowl? I don't think the Ravens okay, had Lamar maybe. win the Super Bowl, but I, I think uh, you're right. It's Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. Michael Vick in his prime had the escapability. Uh, and, and Vick, to his credit, in, in the NFL compared to Fields, was a better passer as well. But I think yeah. Justin has the ability to be a better passer than both of those guys to this point. I think Fields has it in him. Who did, didn't the Niners play uh, Baltimore? In the Super Bowl, am I wrong? Didn't the Hardball Hardball? Yeah, but boys... that, that was before Lamar Jackson, wasn't it? Oh, wasn't that, it? Okay, uh, yo, that was okay. You're wasn't probably that right. Flacco? You're probably right. Flacco, you know yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I apologize about that, but you know what? Give me a guy like Kelsey. Give me a guy like Diggs, sure. uh, and I think you know Justin's game goes to the next level. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Nick. Talk Thanks, to you man. soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Absolutely. We go to Scott in South Elgin. You're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Scott? All right. What's happening, boys? Happy Thursday evening. Happy Thursday. So, um, yeah, I've heard, I have heard some of the move on from Justin Fields talk, and I think if the next person I hear say it, I might punch him in the throat. Um, <laughs> this is absolutely the player you build around. I, I don't want to hear any more talk about C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, none of that crap. The, the problem is I've, I've never seen, well, maybe Patrick Mahomes, I've never seen a quarterback throw a touchdown from his back, and that's where it starts. It starts up front. They've got to protect this man. I, I don't care if you rehaul the entire offensive line. They sucked out loud. And it was very evident that they completely quit last week, which is why Justin's not going out there this week. And as far as the receiver position is concerned, if you go back and look at what Justin Fields had at Ohio State and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, those are guys who get separation. Those are more of a quick twitch type receiver. It's not really your tall Chase Claypool, Equinemus St. Brown type go up and get it guy. And I really think that's what Justin needs to take his game to the next level. What do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I the, the number one wide receiver is exactly what I've been looking at, and that's the number one need for this team in the offseason. I think a number one wide receiver makes a lot of the issues offensively kind of uh, not seem as drastic. If you have a number one wide receiver, the offensive line doesn't have to be as good as you need it to be. The perfect example, look to Cincinnati, right? Burrow is, ava- is available to get to his wide receivers. The offensive line isn't great, but he's there and he's able to make plays because he has a number one guy. He knows that guy will always make the play. Eddie on the north side, give me a quarterback you. Go ahead, Eddie. Night eight. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. 
listening to Black, 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 Black and Abdallah on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. If you miss something, get the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. A lot of good phone calls tonight. 312-332-3776. If you're on hold, you will be on the air. Black and Abdallah, weeknight, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. Every Thursday, we preview the gambling weekend with the Fat Jack. Here comes the money. Ready to fatten up your winnings? You got something to eat up in there? We home. The best football picks, give Jack a call at 800-298-1383 or FatJackSports.com. Fat Jack feeds you his picks now. Get in my belly! On Black and Abdallah. Here comes the money. Go to the Fat Jack's website, FatJackSports.com. He has the best plays for the football weekend and everything in sports gambling. You can also call 800-298-1383. Jack, I cannot believe it. We've gotten, we've gotten to the final week of of the regular season in the NFL week 18 it's here yeah and if you haven't made money you're doing it wrong I mean you really are you really are you need that's why you need to get signed up because we're have we had a great year I mean they're going to be losing weeks and losing days anybody tells you that doesn't happen in sports gambling it's a liar and so don't listen to them um and all of our po- players are posted and documented the ones that I'm playing and we're up a ton of money this year so it's been a great year but you're right. There's tough sledding going on this week. This week and last week, both really difficult because of so many things. I mean, nothing to do with happen Monday night. Right. It's really difficult to kind of figure out what these teams are and what they aren't. And there's some definite trends that we can kind of build on to start at the right spot before we start drilling down to find the specific teams. Right. And, and the way you kind of put that out there is that there are a lot of teams that are not playing for anything, which makes it harder, I think, for the casual sports fan to kind of pick up on who is actually playing for something, who is actually playing in these games, and how to make some money this weekend. So a game that kind of kicks things off with some importance, it would be Tennessee and Jacksonville on Saturday night. This game has playoff implications. How should we play this one if we're looking to gamble on this game on Saturday? Yes. so before we get too far into it, we need to, generally speaking, here's what's going on, okay? Teams that are not playing for a playoff spot. They're basically playing for a trip to Cabo <laughs> against teams that are playing to get themselves into the playoffs. Since 1990, the teams that do not have anything to play for is what the general public would believe cover over 62% of the time. Drill down a little further. Bad teams playing good teams. Let's look at like Las Vegas, Kansas City. Sure. When you have a bad team playing a good team in the last week of the season, over the last 15 years, 63.5% of the time, the bad team covers. So start there. That's If you're out there and you're new to gambling or you're just a guy that likes to watch ESPN, play your favorite team, and go for it with what you think as a fan or as a general manager, anybody that's not going to be playing in the game would care about, you're going to lose money this week for sure because the reality is the value is built in by guys exactly like you that are playing teams that have something to play for over teams that don't have anything to play for. And history shows us that the team with nothing to play for is going to cover more times than not exactly this week. So in this particular game, you got teams with a little bit to play for. So Tennessee, I think there's always some value there because people do not believe in what they do from a coaching standpoint. There's nothing sexy about what they're doing at quarterback. Certainly this week, there's nothing zero sexy about it. And they're playing Jacksonville, 
that seems like they've got everything going right over the last month or so. They've been very, very good. Uh, Lawrence looks like he's taking that next step. So why is the number only four and a half or so? Well, it's because Tennessee typically plays Jacksonville really close. They keep lower scoring games. They're five and one straight up in the last six in the series. They've covered last four of the last five when the game is at Jacksonville. And so they keep games close in exactly this spot. So, and the, the translation is they don't need a ton of good play at quarterback. They just don't need turnovers. So especially with the recency bias, what's been going on with how well Jacksonville's looked lately, there's some value here with Tennessee. Vegas is not going to just give away money this week. Keep telling yourself that. These games that you think are easy for whatever reason, this week in particular, they're not, they, the casinos are not going to lose this weekend. They're going to win this weekend. I, my clients are going to win this weekend. Most of the casual guys are going to take a beating, and it's spot similar to this where it's, it's much more comfortable to play Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, than it is Tennessee. I like Tennessee plus the points. You kind of have to be uncomfortable to make money sometimes when it comes yep. to gambling, right? And, and I think that's where the larger conversation goes back to this idea that I've asked you about this throughout the season and, and even dating back to last year. For the most part, all of the teams are about the same talent-wise, right? And so yeah. when you kind of take that idea and you kind of remove the bias of, well, they won big last week or they're on a win streak or this, that, and the other, like what you're telling us is this weekend more than ever continue to go back to the concept that for the most part, all teams are equal in the NFL, and that's why it's such a great product. And, and so should we apply that logic to the Las Vegas Raiders and the Chiefs, the, the first yeah, game so on Saturday? To, yeah, it's just so hard to believe. That's the problem. Because the right. record doesn't say that. I mean, the records would tell you, and the names on the front of the jerseys would tell you, that one team's a lot better than another. But people who listen to the segment, they know. That, and by the way, we're right. I mean, it's not just this week. It's every week. Yeah. Underdogs outperform favorites. Under outperform over overs. I mean, that's the NFL. And you're right. That's why it's such a great product. And this, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs games, you have other subsets that also lead you toward Las Vegas. Now, t- listen, it's hard to play Las Vegas, believe me. This is a team that's lost. The right. quarterback situation is also a mess. I and mean, the car is going to be home tanning his belly or something. He's not even going to be on the field or in the, in the building. The Chiefs, though, however, they typically play down to their competition when they play bad defenses, especially under Andy Reid, especially in this spot. When they play bad defenses, the games go under the total. When they play good defenses, the games go over the total. Look at their record. There's very few um, outliers from that. Actually, Vegas, last time they played, is one of the only outliers where they played a mediocre defense and it went over the total. They do that because they don't let Patrick Mahomes go crazy. They don't take unnecessary risks, especially on the road. And that keeps games lower scoring. Lower scoring games are going to lead you toward underdogs. Vegas, five, uh, they've covered five of their last six games at home. Really difficult to walk up and play Las Vegas against the Kansas City Chiefs ever, but certainly this year when you don't know anything about what you're getting at quarterback um, with Stidham. I, I think there's some value with Las Vegas here for sure. I like it better at double digits than I do under double digits. But still, if you're going to play it, Vegas at home is the right side. They take the points. We're previewing the gambling weekend with the Fat Jack here on Black and Abdallah. I'm Chris Black here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Jack, this week here in Chicago, we went from a team that had a little glimmer of hope of seeing some progress heading into the Lions game with the Chicago Bears into a team that looked like they gave up in the second half of that matchup last Sunday to a team this week that's benching their court. Well, they say the quarterback's injured, but we think that Really, they just don't want him to get hurt heading into the offseason in Justin Fields. So Justin Fields will not play for the Bears. 
They're at home. They're an underdog. And a lot of points on the board against the Vikings. How should we kind of navigate this situation? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you either play one side or you don't play it at all. And that's what this is. I mean, the Bears may show up and get it done somehow, some way. But if there's a team out there that looks like they phoned it in, it's the Chicago Bears. And and primarily, it starts with their defense. Their offensive line has not been great. And the defense has gotten progressively worse. But... And so if they're giving up a ton of points, that's going to put Fields and company in some really tough spots, predictable downs, where they're, they're dropping back every time. They're throwing the ball down the field every time. That is not good for him. They don't want to risk a long-term injury. They are playing for nothing. So you talk about the team that looks like they have given up. Yeah. You're exactly right. A problem becomes it doesn't seem to matter who Minnesota plays. <laughs> they are a team that plays a lot of one-score games. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of really close games somehow, some way. And these, this series tends to trend to the under. Under seven of the last eight times these teams have played when they played at Chicago. So they typically don't get a lot of points. That also leads you toward the underdog. I, I would not play this game at all. If I did, I would play it. I'd throw my TV into Lake Michigan and not watch it. But if you're going to maybe play it, I mean, you put a gun in my head, so you got to bet it. I'm going to bet Minnesota because it does look like Chicago's phone to bet. You know, Jack, something I love talking to you about throughout the year is trying to figure out which teams are fake or who's for real. And I feel like Minnesota is a classic case of a team that had the wins. They're 12-4. and They're going to make the playoffs. Yet all of the statistics point to a team that cannot win the Super Bowl, and they're really not as good as their 12-win record shows. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, if you if you think Minnesota's going to win the Super Bowl, you're wearing you know horns around at work on a Tuesday. I mean, you got you got purple. You, you by the way, you look <laughs> twenty pounds heavier in that purple, right. and you're still wearing the purple out in public. So, if you live in Tennessee, don't wear bright orange if you're fat, and don't wear purple if you live in Minnesota, unless you want to look ten pounds heavier. And that's what's going on. Then no, this I said this for a month. I mean, we literally go back a month ago when this team was getting it done, and they were their numbers were okay, and Jefferson was coming along. Everybody was excited. Um, they still. The, the numbers said they were not going to be uh, formidable in the playoffs, and I have not changed my opinion at all with them. They're dangerous for sure, but not a team that could win the Super Bowl. See, I, I, I think they win here, get a little momentum going into the playoffs, but yeah, they're, they're probably an early exit. Jack, there's some uncertainty to what is at stake for the top teams in the AFC as we head into Week 18, uh, namely because of what took place on Monday night with Buffalo and Cincinnati. The Bills are at home against the Patriots, what are gamblers and what are you thinking about this situation for the Bills at home against the Patriots? They're still playing for something, but we don't, we're not quite sure at this point in time what they're actually playing for, a home field, a bye, what the NFL is going to decide. How should we gamble with this game on Sunday? Yeah, I, I, this, is a, this is the toughest one. We, we rarely have things that we just don't know. And we don't know how, what, how, what kind of team, more so with Buffalo than Cincinnati. Being a part of that game on Monday night is one thing. Having a player that you're friends with, that you go to dinner yeah. with, basically check out on the field. I mean, basically die in front of everybody and they brought him back. This kid uh, put the, the, the Buffalo Bills for them to turn around and play at any type of high level the next Sunday. I, you certainly can't count on that. There's sure. not a lot of precedence in that on how, that, how, that re, re, how they'll react to that. You have New England that's still playing for stuff also. And by the way, New England is is dangerous. They're dirty. They like low-scoring games. Buffalo doesn't score a ton of points this year. They're under more times than they're over. There's obviously that circle the wagons element, but I I don't think we can certainly count on that. I don't know how long it takes to come back from seeing and be a part of that with somebody that you love. 
it's just really difficult to tell. This is the most intriguing game of the entire week to me, but one of the hardest ones to bet because we literally have something that happened that it does not happen. We've seen paralysis. We've seen ACL, all those types of things. This deal is different. And how long it takes for them to come back to that, your guess is as good as mine. My lean is toward New England. Um, I do think they are dangerous. They are still have some stuff to play for, and they're pretty good on the road at Buffalo. They've covered seven of their last nine games, and Belichick needs this type of low-scoring, ugly game, which I think he's probably going to get. So um, just a lean toward New England plus the points. But you know, if, if Buffalo went by 30, it wouldn't totally surprise me because they are very, very talented, still one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But this particular week, uh, it's more of a wait and see on what we're getting from them, at least in the short term. Yeah, and it feels callous to even ask about it. But, of course, the NFL machine is going to carry on, right? So even though uh, they saw what they saw on Monday night and DeMar Hamlin it seems to be improving at this moment, um, the games are going to continue and the league's going to continue moving on. And the Bengals, they host the Ravens. Again, a big situation. Two teams, playoff teams facing off. We're not quite sure on what the league will decide with seeding, but this is a big matchup in the AFC North. Yeah, and I don't want to speak for players for sure. I never would pretend to know what they're thinking, but my guess is, and with the feedback I get from guys that have been in situations where they've had a coach die or somebody, something happened, and of course this it was a traumatic thing on the field, but you know, God, God willing, hopefully he's going to get better and improve. But most players would tell you that if they're football players, they want to play football. So we've, we're going to blame it on the NFL machine and the, the moving forward. But I think the reality is if you talk to Buffalo, you talk to Cincinnati, at some point they do want to get back to business. This is an important thing to them. It's something they really uh, value. And, and so when is that? I don't, I don't know when, when we know when, when that transition's over from – the worry and the concern to somebody that wants to kind of get back to what they're doing uh, when things are looking better. I think Baltimore's probably the right side here for a, a ton of reasons. And again, and not a game I would want to bet on, uh, but it's because who walks up to the window and plays Cincinnati for any reason? Uh, excuse me, Baltimore. You walk up and play Baltimore for any reason. Jackson's not playing. Uh, defensively, they've been good. They have nothing to play for. They're resting players. Uh, but they typically keep games lower scoring. Five of the last five Baltimore games have gone under. There's some value in that. Vegas, again, does not give away money this week. So a couple of these teams that we're looking at, we say they have nothing in the world to play for. They may not win, but they're going to figure out a way to cover. And this would be one of those I would stay away from because of what happened Monday and because of you know what that looks like. I just think there's easier spots. Give me an easier one. Uh, because it seems like we're, I, you know, I'm getting a rap from sitting on the fence on a couple of these, and I hate that. Um, the Jets are going to Miami, exactly <laughs> right. what I'm talking about. Team with nothing to play for, playing team with a lot to play for. But the Jets have had Miami's number. They beat them 40-17 earlier in the year. They keep games under the total. Five of their last six games on the road have gone under. Miami needs a shootout. This is an offensive-minded team. When they score points, they win. When we were talking about them as being a contender, they're scoring a ton of points. The Jets will hold them down offensively. It's actually chilly down here in South Florida right now, so the weather won't be that big of a deal. Nine of the last 11 Jets games have gone under, and now, by the way, they've jumped the fence because the Sharps, all like New York here, play the Jets over Miami on Sunday. When we look to Sunday night, the Lions and the Packers, they should fa- they'll face off in a good game. Both teams are 8-8, eight and eight, and Green Bay has really bounced back here in the second half of the season. The Packers are the favorite. Should we look towards Green Bay to win again at home at Lambeau against the Lions? I don't, 
Yeah, I don't know what we're getting out of the Green Bay's defense. It's the same defense that the first two months of the year was horrible. The receivers couldn't catch the ball, and all of a sudden everybody had a kumbaya moment. The defense is taking the ball away, getting uh, creating points, and Aaron Rodgers' receivers look like they're they're all veterans. That I think the other shoe drops here. I don't love Detroit. Obviously, from a defensive standpoint, they can't stop anybody, but I do think they're going to score against just about anybody. Eight of the last nine games, Detroit has covered. This is a team that is streaking every bit as much as what uh, Green Bay is is streaking. And Detroit, nine of the last 11 games in this series, they've covered. So they really, really have been good at getting it done versus the number. I think they score a bunch of points, and I don't, I, I'm not sure they win because I think it's a close game, but I could absolutely see last team to get the ball wins. The numbers prove that out to Green Bay's won 22 of the last 25 games in the series. So they're winning but not covering. I think that happens again here. Three-point game, high-scoring game, take Detroit plus the points. Is there a team as we end the regular season that still has some pretty decent odds to to make a run to win the Super Bowl in your eyes? I mean, you're getting a little better numbers with Philly now that um, that the quarterback's hurt. And I think once he's back – yeah, I, th- I think they're definitely they're definitely the most dangerous, formidable team if you're looking for some value right now. And you're only going to get that until Hurts gets back out there and plays well. So I would look there. Beyond that, it's it's the usual cast of characters at the top. You you could take a shot sometimes this time of year. And I get, by the way, my clients at FatJackSports.com all got Philadelphia preseason. Yeah, they got I was, Arizona I was just going to say that. You told us back at the convention that we had here in Chicago, the yeah. the football convention that we had, Football Fest. Yeah, gave out Philadelphia and gave out Arizona. One of them horrible. The other one still looking pretty good right yeah. now. So I think they're probably still uh, one of the best values out there, especially with the injury uh, at Hurts. But beyond the top, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, and them, I would not put a dime on Dallas. Dallas is a poser. They're a pretender. You cannot win Super Bowls by turning the ball over and throwing interceptions more than one per game. So don't buy into that. That's not going to happen. Obviously, Minnesota, we talked about that. Don't buy into that. I think it's one of those three teams. Kansas City, it's Buffalo, it's uh, it's Philadelphia. That's a good call. And as we look ahead to the college matchup on Monday night, the national championship game, TCU and Georgia, is there a way that we should uh, lean towards this matchup? An underdog in the Horn Frogs taking on the defending national title champions and the Georgia Bulldogs on Monday night? Yeah, this is a pros versus Joes game if there ever was one. All the pros love Georgia here. All the $50 players who literally had never watched the TCU game in their life before two weeks ago have decided because of what they did against Michigan, they're going to do again against Georgia. I will tell you this. I released TCU. I, I predicted TCU to beat Michigan. Didn't surprise me at all. I've watched every TCU game. Um, I know, and by the way, Sonny Dykes' dad, Spike Dykes, recruited me back in the late 80s to go really? play football at Texas Tech. Yeah. So I know these guys very, very well. Um, and that Sonny Dykes is an absolute stud, and he's a great football coach, and they got a bunch of dogs, and they're dangerous because they believe. They're not going to be overwhelmed by the moment. The problem becomes this Georgia team uh, should be able to win the line of scrimmage. They should be able to run it effectively. I think the total goes over this absolutely easiest side in the game. Total's about 60. Four of the last five Georgia games have gone over. TCU scoring against everybody. They scored over 27 points a game in every game this year except one, and they're averaging well over that. And I think they're going to score points. People have, they seem to forget that in that Michigan game, that TCU had a pick six and another defensive either score or close to score that those points took Michigan out what they're doing. And I don't think Harbaugh was ever ready for that moment. I'm not a huge uh, Jim Harbaugh fan. So I, I, I predicted TCU. I lean toward Georgia minus the points in this one. I'll play with the pros, but a much better play on over the total. 
Jack, if our listeners go to your website and they sign up right now, what will they receive at FatJackSports.com? Yeah, consistent winning selections that have turned a profit for 27 years, uh, 26 of the last 27 years, including this year. And right now you get my preseason prices. They're up and available. They will get you on the right side every week this year, and you get baseball for free. You can pay out the service fee over up to 10 months. So $400 now, $180 a month for nine, nine other months. You're going to make money, and you get all the plays all the way through the 2024 Super Bowl. The best rates of the year, lowest prices of the year available right now. It'll only be there a couple of weeks, then they go up. But get signed up today. Pleasure. Text your cell phone. They're emailed to you. Baseball season's free. Horse racing is free. You're paying about $40 a week to make money betting the games all through 2023 and into 2024 at FatJackSports.com or $99 each year, everything through Monday night's national championship game. Thank you, Jack. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Thursday. All right, brother. Have a great week. See you soon. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago.